Welcome to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. Host and moderator Bonnie D. Graham talks with the experts about how game-changing technologies can help you achieve financial excellence for your company. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a very special show because it's the debut of Season 10, 10 years of Financial Excellence with Game Changers Radio presented by SAP. This is our longest running series in the 48 Game Changers series I've started since 2011. And as I always say, if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. Let's see what the buzz is. And by the way, a shout out to Chris Grundy, Birgit Starmans, and Pras Chatterjee at SAP, who are the long-running sponsors of this wonderful series. So thank you to the three of you for renewing for 2021. We're very happy to have you back. So let's talk about this. I have a quote from Forbes from uh, an author named Jack McCullough. And let me read, this will introduce the buzz to our topic today. Listen up everybody. 2021 promises to be an epic year for CFOs and the companies they lead. The struggles of 2020 have taught us all many hard lessons. And these lessons will be used, get this, by elite CFOs to create a faster, more flexible, more competitive, and ultimately more profitable organization. I think that's the whole show. No, it, that's that's the introduction, but it, it encapsulates uh, to me so beautifully what we're talking about. So in on January 28, 2020, Brian, I, I know you saw this in the abstract and it was confusing. That was our first financial excellence show of last year. What were we talking about? We're looking at the bright future for finance and finance professionals. We talked about new and ever improving technologies and great systems and processes. Everything was gung-ho, right? Everything was going to be a great year. And then, boom, little did we know something called COVID-19 was going to take over the world. It was going to have a massive and pervasive impact on our lives, on our businesses. It would pose unprecedented challenges to finance, to financial management, and in too many cases, business survival itself. So we have three experts here on the panel with me today. I'm so thrilled to speak with you. We have Kalish Consulting's Brian Kalish, who has on, been on many shows with me over the years. We have a newcomer, Deloitte's Swapna Satwick. Welcome, Swapna. We're very happy to have you here. And SAP's Martin Narashevsky. I think I said that right, Martin. Yes? Yes, indeed. Good. I remembered. Martin hasn't been on a couple of years, and it's been too long, Martin, so don't stay away so long. We're going to ask him to explore the opportunities for finance to reflect on the past year. Oh, my goodness. So much to talk about and for finance to reset its priorities for transformation. And the ultimate question they're going to answer, I promise you by the end of the show, is where do we go from here? So I am Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Delighted to be here. Important work to do here. So let's go around the table and have my guests introduce themselves. Brian Kalish, as I like to say, if there's one person in the world who doesn't remember who you are, Shame on them. You got to talk to that person. Brian, I'm going to put you on speaker view and ask you to take about two minutes and bring us up to date on what you do, what Kalish Consulting does. And also, I want you to include your passion for this topic on finance 2021. Where the blank do we go from here? Welcome, Brian Kalish. 
Well, Bonnie, it's a pleasure to be with everyone. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. My rule for Happy New Year is January 31st. So (laughs) till the end of the week, I will continue to say Happy New Year to everyone. So uh, I'm Brian Kalish. Uh, I actually started my um, own consultancy about five plus years ago, but I was on the corporate side for about 25 years. I'm based out of here in Washington, D.C., where nothing is ever going on. Last couple of months, very quiet. D.C. has (laughs) been... incredibly quiet. Uh, my background is in FP&A, financial planning and analysis, treasury uh, and investor relations. Um, I'm actually an engineering, uh, excuse me, an engineer by uh, by training. It's interesting as, as I've kind of gone around the world and, and my real focus is on FP&A, is I actually would say a plurality of people involved in FP&A or actually have some kind of a back, uh, background in engineering, whether they started um, To me, it makes a lot of sense in the sense that it's uh, strong math skills and problem solving. And that to me is what, you know, is kind of the core of what FP&A is. Um, uh, I'm an expert in residence at uh, eCapital Advisors in Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota. Um, I'm also an adjunct professor um, at Florida International University in Miami. So if you've kind of heard D.C., Minnesota and Florida, you've now figured out my travel schedule. I like to winter in Florida, I summer in Minnesota, and I do fall and spring in in Washington, D.C. But really what the passion, my passion is trying to help organizations create a culture of analytics for data-driven decision-making. And really there's four pillars to that. That's people, process, technology, and culture. and then I'm also very passionate about creating a, a global FP&A network or community. And to that extent, um, I've been to five of the six continents. I say six because uh, unless penguins start showing in tre- tremendous interest in FP&A, for business reasons, I won't be going to Antarctica. And then I've never been to Australia, but that's because of the language barrier. <laughs> Can you say uh, putting the shrimp on the barbie? <laughs> Sorry. No, 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 Paul Hogan, Australians. <laughs> Brian, based on your description of, of strong in math and problem solving, I probably should have been in your field, a, a CPA or, a, or an FP&A person, very strong math background. But Brian, just quickly, what's your passion for our topic today, which is the future of finance in the year 2021, now that we have the luxury, mm, bittersweet luxury of looking back on 2020, just in, in one sentence, what do you think? Is it going to, are we going to get back on track? Well, we're going to get back on track, but, you know, we're in a new normal right now, but there's a new, new normal that we're going to pivot to. So we're not going to go back to where we were, what I call BC before COVID. We've learned too much. There's been too much innovation. And so, you know, oftentimes, and we'll dive into a little bit deeper, I kind of look at the crisis as kind of been like a military conflict. There's a, you don't want to go through it, but there's a tremendous amount of innovation and lessons learned. And you take those lessons learned and it projects you to a higher point. So I think we're actually going to be higher in 21, 22, 23 than we were in 19, as far as what we're able to do from an analytics perspective. Thank you, Brian Kalish. Swapna Satwick, so happy to have you here. We do have a, I produce and host a Deloitte show called The Kinetic Enterprise, and I've made those sponsors aware that you're going to be on the show today, and they're very happy to have you be here with us. And Swapna, we'd love to have you introduce yourself to our audience since they haven't met you here in this in this venue. So Swapna, welcome, and go ahead. It's all yours. Awesome. Thank you, Bonnie. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year and a very happy Tuesday. My mm-hmm. name is Swapna Satwik, uh, which means dream. Um, I'm a senior manager in Deloitte uh, Consulting LLP with 17 years of experience in leading 
uh, global SAP business transformations, of course, including finance transformations. Uh, by background, I'm a chartered accountant, which is equivalent to a CPA. And I also have a master's degree in financial accounting, controlling, tax, and obviously a very strong background in technology. So I started my SAP career with learning SAP and then ended up teaching SAP as well. And before moving on to a full-fledged SAP career. Um, my passion with client service uh, lies in helping client organizations optimize their business processes uh, by standardizing, digitizing, you'll word a lot more now. Um, core business functions and implementing um, next-gen technologies as well. Um, besides client service, as part of finance market offering uh, within Deloitte, I lead SAP Finance on Cloud and Talent Readiness programs uh, to help our practitioners reimagine finance technology in a completely different world, right? And have solutions um, with uh, putting their innovative hat on and achieve delivery excellence. A uh, little about me, personally, I'm a trained dancer. Um, I'm a fitness enthusiast. Uh, I always practice boxing, yoga, jogging regularly. Um, and to your point, Bonnie, the reason I'm here and I'm passionate about the topic is because Deloitte and SAP have been always working together. But um, um, since the outbreak of this pandemic, uh, we've been working together to see how we could help our clients. Um, I mean, this is a complete severe disruption no one had imagined. And what finance offerings can we give to the client uh, mm -hmm. that, does a, that does a quick scan of potential optimization opportunities, um, especially with this kind of um, unstable nature of business, how our offerings can be fine-tuned. So I'm extremely passionate about this topic. I've been working with since, since past one year, um, uh, especially with COVID around, you know, what else can be done? And this was kind of a natural segue for me coming here. Of course, I want to hear Brian and Martin's thoughts on this. So thank you again, Bonnie. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. I'm looking forward for the conversation. Thank you very much, Swapna. Delighted to have you. What kind of dancing? I'm a dancer too from way back. So what kind oh, of dancing? Actually, um, I started my dance career in Indian training and then, uh, you know, Indian dance form and then moved on to salsa, bachata, now learning belly dance. So. Very, very. I had a feeling that was going to come in there somewhere. I used to teach disco, line dances, and uh, <laughs> swing, and Latin, cha-cha. And now I have a, a small band called Red's Hot Mango, and we play Latin music. I'm on the drums, so there you go. Always nice to get to meet people up front and close. And by the way, to our listeners on Voice America here on the Business Channel, I have the privilege, as you may know by now, I started in in last year, early to mid-2020, I moved all my shows to Zoom so I can see my panelists and I can watch them think, I can watch them smile, I can watch them move around and see the words tumbling out and get to know them better as people on the Zoom platform. So we will post the video, I'll make the video available to my guests and you're all welcome to post clips of your brilliant bon mot, your words of wisdom later on after the show. Thank you, Swapna, delighted to meet you. Martin, it's been way too long, as I said in the beginning of the show. Martin Avrashevsky, please
please introduce yourself. Reintroduce yourself to me and to everybody who's missed hearing you on the show all these couple of years. So go ahead, Martin. Welcome. Absolutely. Yeah, Martin Arashevsky, I'm heading um, what we call internally the line of business finance, essentially responsible for the solution portfolio um, that is supporting the office of the CFO function. It is the classical finance with accounting um, and everything associated, but then also treasury um, and going even into what's called GRC, governance risk compliance, um, cybersecurity, tax. So it's a pretty broad and heterogeneous portfolio, but it's been a very exciting ride um, in that space already now for decades in various roles and um, it's just very exciting. I mean, it looks like finance is all the same, whatever um, dual accounting has been invented um, centuries ago, but there's so much disruption technology and innovation in the last couple of years. Uh, that is the one exciting thing, but the true passion, so to say, for the topic itself is really finance in the end of the day is the intellectual backbone of a company. And whatever is happening in a company is tied to finance. And finance is the one function that's tying it together. I do also have, um, like Brian, what you mentioned, a kind of an analytical background. So I'm physicist by education, not engineer, but very close. I then also did some uh, business administration studies. And over time, via consulting, ended up then um, here, so to say, in SAP and um, in, the, in the finance area. I worked a lot with finance professionals. Um, yeah, what's exciting or, or also passionate about the topic 2021, I mean, how can we not be passionate about what's happening right now? Yeah, we've said many years, it's a time of disruption, of change and unpredictability, but the level of unpredictability that we're seeing right now is really unprecedented. It's depending on what company you are and what country you are. Um, it can be pretty much black and white and nobody knows where this is ending. You know, it, things can ease up with the vaccine sooner than we thought and it can take longer. And the difference between so longer and sooner can be, um, how should I say, um, threaten the existence of a company or help mm -hmm. it even strive and, and become a new leader because changes are being, so to say, adopted and, and the opportunity is taken. It's, it's a very open field and it's getting very interesting in a sense. Thank you very much, Martin. Appreciate that. Thank you all. Uh, I I am so happy you're all here because we do need to look ahead. And Brian, to your point, normal, next normal, new normal. I coined this. I'm probably not the only one. About three months ago, I coined it the new reality. Every day is a new reality. I don't think we'll ever go back to normal. It's going to take years to create a new normal. But I like to think of it as the reality that we're living in minute by minute. On that note, it's time for us to go to the opening quotes. I have asked my guests to send me a quote from a movie or a song, something that will capture everybody's attention and imagination. And the quote has nothing to do with our topic today. And ask them here on the show, live with me on Financial Excellence with Game Changers, to explain in their own words, how the quote does relate to the topic. So Brian Kalish has sent us a quote from The Pretender by Jackson Brown. And just a little background, just a tiny bit. The Pretender is the fourth album by the American singer-songwriter Jackson Brown, released in 1976. It peaked number five on Billboard's album chart. And Clyde Jackson Brown, born October 9th, 1948, American singer-songwriter musician, sold over 18 million albums in the U.S. And interesting, he has an honorary doctorate of music by a college in LA and in 2015 Rolling Stone ranked him as 37th in the 100 greatest songwriters of all time ha and here's the quote caught between the longing for love and the struggle for the legal tender oh Brian this is an interesting one talk to me what is this 
So first of all, I do, I have to share a little background, which is if people are familiar with Jackson Brown, that, that they, they know there's two live tracks off of the, the next album he did, which was called Running on Empty. Uh, and those two live tracks were recorded at Meriwether Post Pavilion in Columbia, Maryland on Saturday, August 27th, 1977. The reason I know that so well is that was the first rock concert that I ever went to. So technically I'm on the album and Yes, I am saying the term album. Um, that's where it was. So, you know, the, why the quote is relevant uh, to today's discussion is for me, it's the trade-off or balancing of what we want versus what we have. So you, we all talk about spreadsheets and how we need to move beyond that. We call it BAS, big-ass spreadsheets, and moving to a higher level of technology. And the idea is that just because we have spreadsheets today doesn't mean we shouldn't aspire to a higher level of technology that will then empower us to perform a higher level of analytics. So to move from descriptive and diagnostic analytics to predictive, prescriptive, and ultimately cognitive analytics. So to me, it's the battle between things that we must do things that we must have um, versus what we aspire or, or long to have. Plus the fact, I just love the fact that Jackson Brown was able to incorporate the term legal tender into a song. Very, very interesting. Thank you, Brian. Appreciate that. Let's go on to, yes, and I do remember running on empty. I do remember that. And you were there, album. Oh, do we remember the word album, Brian? Thank you for the nostalgia trip back in time. Swapna has sent us a quote from the 2006 American sports drama film Rocky Balboa, written, directed, and starring... Sly Stallone, Sylvester Stallone. The film, which features Stallone as the underdog boxer Rocky Balboa, is the sequel to the 1990 film Rocky V and the sixth installment in the Rocky film series that began with the Academy Award-winning Rocky 30 years earlier. Guess what? In 1976, the year of the pretender. Wow, we've got a confluence of dates here. So here is the quote, very, very famous quote Swapna selected, nobody's going to hit as hard as life but it ain't how hard you can hit. It's how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. It's how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Oh dear, how did I do swap? Rescue oh, me. awesome. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Rescue <laughs> me. Go ahead. All right. I mean, yeah, it, it made me feel that, okay, after this, I'm going to watch the movie immediately. <laughs> Like I said in my introduction, um, I've been practicing boxing for a few years now and I've been always a big fan, rather me and my husband have been always a big fan of Sylvester Stallone and his movies and we've watched it all over and over. Um, so this has been my go-to quote, uh, you know, when I'm, whenever I'm feeling a little low or I, have, I need a strong dose of motivation. Um, and I absolutely feel that in this situation, all of us can relate to it. Um, you know, all of us had our new year resolutions at the beginning of 2020, like any other year, businesses had new targets, um, new budgets assigned for the year. And little did we imagine all of this hitting us, the COVID, something called as COVID-19 hitting us in March. I mean, we were still, I remember, I mean, I was still traveling at uh, one of my assignments and then, you know, coming back, Little did I know that I'm not going to travel for some time now, you know, and first few months uh, went and realizing how difficult the situation was actually absorbing everything um, and absolutely no roadmap to deal with such kind of crisis. I'm sure leaders at all level, uh, you know, and in our context, our technology leaders uh, specifically had to make choices and have made choices now 
to respond to this pandemic crisis, uh, you know, keeping in mind safety of their employees, ensuring continuity of business. And then in, in now in the next stage, uh, you know, we are in the recovery mode where we are emerging stronger from our earlier stages and planning certain things, how our tomorrow is going to look like the new norm, as we say, and then, you know, prepare as in thrive and survive. Uh, so, so what best, right? I mean, that's the thought that came to my mind when you asked me for a quote, uh, we are still moving and how, right? And life has hit all of us too hard. Uh, it's, we are in a pandemic situation, but we are still moving very strong. So I think this is an apt quote in my mind for this situation. Thank you very much. Yes, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I like the whole, in, the entirety of the quote. The message is good. And I, I hope I did justice to Rocky a little bit with, with the New York accent. I come from New York, but I never talk like that. Okay, Martin, let's go to Martin. Martin picked a song from a movie going back 20 years earlier than the 1976 mark we're using for Brian's quote and Swapna's quote. And the quote is, and who's going to sing this, by the way? The quote is from a character, Josephine, called Joe, Joe Conway McKenna, played by Doris Day. The movie, the 1956 American suspense thriller film, The Man Who Knew Too Much. It was produced and directed by none other than Alfred Hitchcock, and it starred James Stewart, Jimmy Stewart, and Doris Day. The film won an Academy Award for Best Original Song for, and here's the song, is K. Sarah, Sarah. Swapna, did you want to sing this one? Was that what we said? Actually, it's an, it's an Indian song, exactly to Martin's quote, right? It, it, it goes like, I'm not a singer, by the way, but I'm, I'm for you, anything, Bonnie. Um, hey, K. Sarah, 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 jo bhi ho, so ho, and it exactly means that. I mean, whatever happens, happens, right? We'll and I, I'm going to do the English version, which is Kesara, Sara, what will be, will be. The future's not ours to see. Kesara, Sara, what will be, will be. Martin, you got two people serenading you, my dear. So right. go ahead and tell us how in the world you picked this. I love the quote, by the way. First time we've gone back that far in movie land. Mm. So I'm, I'm thrilled. Martin talked. Relieve us, please. Go ahead. Yeah, and not- my engineer says raucous applause. Swapna. Go ahead, Martin. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that was a spontaneous one. I mean, this is now January. We're all in this situation to plan. If you are in an, whatever managing role, to plan the year on what, what is going to happen. How do you want to structure it? And you need assumptions. And what kind of assumptions can you can you make right now? It can be completely the one direction. It can be completely the other direction. And that's I feel um, much more extreme than in any of the other years I've seen. Even going back to the financial, or maybe comparable to the financial crisis um, more than ten years ago. And uh, what does this then mean also for what we're doing and have a passion here for finance because it's the same situation for our peers, clients, whatsoever. And it's really now thinking about scenarios. What are the extremes that could happen or the things in between? And how, how can I build a model that's flexible enough to, so to say, help me adjust throughout the year? And it's certainly a bigger challenge um, than we've seen before. And yeah, that was, was a bit of a spontaneous one, um, but there's also some other history behind it. Um, the song is also just by the tone, so to say, a waltz, and we had it at our wedding. So from that perspective, it's still oh, in my head. <laughs> That's oh. not, also already quite some time ago. 
Oh, that's so sweet. I, that's the first time I've had a guest pick a song from their wedding. Okay, Sarah, Sarah. Doris Day, she was quite the, the live wire, the beautiful lead actress in so many movies. I remember her well. So let's move on. This is the part of the show where my guests have submitted a couple of statements to me each. Talking statements, conversation statements. I'm going to read statement number one from Brian Kalish. That's what I've selected from his list. I'm going to read a little bit of it, ask Brian to unpack it, as I say, on the news, Brian. Take about two and a half minutes because we have a lot to cover. And then I'm going to invite Swapna Satwick at Deloitte to agree or disagree with Brian. You got about two minutes for that, Swapna. And then Martin Narashevsky at SAP. I'm going to ask you to come in and agree or disagree with either or or both Brian and or Swapna. Then I'll pick a statement from Swapna's list and I will read that and we'll go around the table and the other two will come in and then one from Martin. So let's get started. Brian Kaler said the following. Up-to-date and business-ready data have become more important than ever. This is all about making data business-ready. Brian, I'm going to let you unpack this for me. Go ahead. So, excellent, Bonnie. So, for what I've seen, I mean, obviously, getting access to our data has always been important. But what I've really seen during the crisis, a term that we, we kind of say is it's, it's speed to insight at the speed of thought. So, what I really want to do is have the ability to access my business data in real time convert that data into information, transform that information into actionable insights and knowledge via analytics, and then provide that to the business. Because at the end of the day, we're support. So what we want to do is be able to help the business make those better, faster, smarter decisions. And that will then, I think someone was referring to earlier, that can really help the organization not merely survive in this crisis, but to truly thrive. And I think Martin kind of commented earlier about the uncertainty. I mean, we've got a term that we call it's VOLCA, V-U-C-A. And I would agree, even greater than the financial crisis, we're dealing with a degree of VOLCA, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity that we've just never seen before. So again, it's all about we want to take our data, we want to perform analytics, and then we want to have an impact on the, the, the business as far as the action the business needs to take or decision that the business needs to take. And part of it is, you know, we're just dealing with so much data right now. So you know, I think, Bonnie, you've heard me mention this before. We, we're now operating a world of brontobytes, 10 to the 27th power. So we're dealing with internal and external data. We're dealing with structured and unstructured. But what's really key is we have to take all these pieces and put them in the proper alignment. So we need to have the proper people with the proper technology and the proper processes in the proper mindset. And I think Swapna kind of talked about that a little bit or is gonna talk about that, that we have to have the people all on the same page, you know, marching to the same tune at the same time to really produce that level of analytics the organization wishes us to perform. Because what's really different about today is we can have whatever we want as far as analytics. The technology exists. Before, you know, it was a very simple answer to say we can't do that. But now we can. The question is, is our organization willing to make that investment to have that level of analytics that they believe we need? And so, you know, the organization, like any good organization, you know, should only make that investment um, if the ROI can be achieved. So the way I kind of sum it up is, you know, we're caught between the longing for love and the struggle for the legal tender. Ah, very good. Thank you. Swapna, I'm going to leave it on speaker view and ask you to join us. Agree or disagree with anything or everything Brian said. Go ahead. 
I would agree 100%. I mean, to me, data and right analytical tools have always been important. I mean, they go hand in hand with finance, especially financial planning and decision making. When, when we talk about decision making uh, with COVID outbreak, uh, I feel CIOs and other technology leaders, their plans are put to test almost daily, right? So decision making and analytics um, go really hand in hand with the, the, the testing that they have been put to. So in such a situation, I feel FP&A agility, meaning, you know, ability to evaluate your decisions quicker, uh, you know, Brian touched based on speed of light. And I think that has been even more important, highly dependent on how we are receiving real time and accurate data to, you know, base our decisions. Extreme decisions could be like changing the business model, you know, to get back the revenues. In this case, I, I feel now, especially FPNA is way beyond looking at the traditional models, right? I mean, we are not talking about traditional financial planning cycles of monthly or quarterly. It's like in a snippet, we want things to be done. It has really moved beyond. So businesses are now demanding fast and more accurate and more frequent scenario planning and what if analysis, you know, especially when they are trying to analyze is my current business and my current roadmap going to work for me. So in this case, organizations have to be extremely well equipped. Um, I think till recently, uh, uh, organizations felt their biggest challenges were ability to rapidly model business decisions, but, um, and they had uh, very much implications on their uh, future disruptions, right? But with, I mean, the good news is disruption in the earlier definition before COVID, uh, you know, the digital transformations, as we call, uh, they actually, the digital transformations actually have many solutions and tools in the finance space to be able to address all these situations, you know, mm -hmm. data, aggregate data, report data from disparate systems and with absolutely very low risks. Um, that will come into picture now. I think those uh, those solutions, those digital transformations will come into picture very much in an accelerated fashion now to help with the business continuity. So again, to sum up, I think I do agree with Brian. Thank you very much. Martin Arashevsky, join us. What do you think? Yeah, with such a statement in the current times, it's very hard to not agree. Absolutely, I do agree. Um, and a lot was said by both Brian and um, Swapna. Maybe just one comment or a side aspect to that, uh, you mentioned the um, term ROI, Brian, and I think the point here is there's a lot of transformation that will be needed and still a lot of finance functions to exactly go in the direction what was described. Mm -hmm. And um, one challenge that often then when tactical decisions about process changes, about investments are made is about what can I calculate as a business case and business cases about cost savings are always easier to be calculated than effectiveness cases like I can steer my business better. And that probably needs a little bit of different view from what we've seen before the crisis, where a lot of emphasis was on finance automation and whatever machine learning, this and that, in order to make the finance function even more streamlined and more efficient. And this now requires a different view on what level of investment is needed and maybe an additional investment is needed to get to the capabilities that the two of you just mentioned. And yes, it is a change and every change means making an investment. And I think this view on, on where to transform, how to transform will change in finance functions now in the upcoming future because Thank the need absolutely is there. 
Thank you, Martin. Brian, this was your topic. Anything you want to say back to your co-panelists right now? Nope. I think, you know, like I said, the, the points are excellent. I think just adding on to what Martin said is, yeah, I mean, the point is that none of this is free, right? I mean, that's, that's we, we, you know, again, you can have something, it's going to cost something, and it's just being able to determine what that cost is. It's hard, you know, as Martin was saying, it's easy to, to justify a cost savings. How do you, you know, quantify a, a benefit? What's interesting, though, is the data is coming out. So even something like um, RPA, robotic process automation, we're now seeing the research that's showing the return, I think, one out of the London School of Economics was showing return of like 30 to 200% within one year. So, you know, we are being able to quantify what those benefits are. Thank you very much. Let's move on. Swapna, I have selected your statement number three, brief and to the point. I'm going to read it, ask you to expand it, unpack it for us. Then we will ask Martin, who doesn't know it, but he's sitting next to you virtually around the table. And then Brian will be third on this one. So Swapna says, establishing trust and bridging the physical and digital worlds to deliver business value will be pivotal. Swapna, tell us more, please. Absolutely. I mean, with the pandemic shutting down the physical world, uh, is there an option? Digital world has to step in, right? So in my mind, the key value for any financial solution or for that matter, any solution, you know, would be bridging the gap between both the worlds. I mean, think about your customers. Suddenly you're not physically besides them, uh, resolving their problems, helping them with whatever, you know, implementations or solutions and suddenly you are remote. So what best? But I think Trust is the main thing that is going to drive business value uh, in addition to a few things, obviously. Um, we see how all the traditional channels are impacted by the outbreak. Uh, the value of digital channels, product services have become an obvious choice and I don't think that's even an option. You know, Really the point I'm trying to uh, drive here is digital differences. And you know, I was recently reading an article from UN Co Conference on Trade and Development um, normally I don't do that, but yeah, I happened to read that and it was very interesting. It was narrating how digitally enabled world is working for some, but it's a challenge for others, right? Uh, in other words, you know, organizations are still having manual processes, looking at automations. Um, it might be, you know, difficult to take advantage of all the advanced uh, solutions that we have to offer now, you know, all the finance digital transformations, talking about AI, talking about machine learning and all of that. And in such cases, for those kind of organizations, I think uh, the ERP strategy for 2021 would mean starting from the basics, you know, while for others who are slightly um, advanced, it might mean cloud-based ERP, talking about automations, machine learning, cognitive, robotics. Um, however, I think um, making that switch has become imperative. And the fact, uh, and in fact, it's very accelerated than ever before due to COVID. Um, so that's why I feel the starting point is establishing trust, bridging the gaps, and then moving on to the actual financial solutions. Thank you, Swapna. Martin, please join us. Agree or disagree? You can never disagree with trust as a basis of <laughs> what we're doing. <laughs> good point. But I mean, it's a, it's a very good point. And it's somehow reflecting also how, let's say, the situation has evolved in 2020. I mean, when everything got changed, trust in your employees, because now suddenly they're no longer under your supervision in the office, they're sitting at home and so on. That was the starting point. And if you have not established that culture, problem number one. 
a big problem actually. But the second thing then came um, with technology. Um, you can we all can what we're doing here is digital and and this format otherwise would have been digital before, but there are many other formats of interacting with customers that had, would have worked in different ways. And now they're only working digital. And indeed, some organizations had been further advanced and others had been not as far maybe. And maybe some organizations thought, well, all that talk of 2019 and 18 about digital transformation, it's kind of nice. We can do this in five years. Now, boom, from one year to another, it's not in five years, it's now. Now, mm -hmm. now you need to be able to pay your bills to your vendors or whatever, and you need to have the, the processes for, for ICE principle if, if you don't have the people in the same, so to say, office and, and all of these things. So, so it clearly has it. Um, but then on the other hand, it's also an opportunity um, because a lot, and I think that was also a little bit alluded to earlier, um, we are now forced to fix some problems, so to say, in human interaction, in customer interaction, employee interaction, that once the crisis is over, it's giving us a totally different platform of interacting, a totally different level of scale. Mm -hmm. And now it really, it's not only of surviving the time, those who are adopted, so to say, with more um, ambition and or more energy will also have the better basis for the future very clearly. Thank you. Brian Kalish, you're up. Join me. It's always fun to go third because you get to take everybody's thoughts and then there try to uh, distill it into something interesting. So it's three, I had kind of three takeaways. Um, one is, and I think Martin was just talking about it, was what we've learned part of this is, as we've changed and we've gone digital is that we found our stronger performers are even stronger and our weaker performers are even weaker. And so it's kind of from an organizational perspective, it's given us a better understanding of who potentially our, our future stars are gonna be because we've, we've just seen them over the last year, uh, just take it up to, to the next step. Uh, one thing, you know, again, as we we're talking about, I think Swanton was kind of alluding to on, on, on the fear and the trust is things like automation. And what I'm always trying to explain is that automation equals liberation. I mean, what we're really trying to do is take low IQ activities off the plates of high IQ people. And so, yeah, I understand, you know, what, what we're all familiar with the change is hard. Nobody likes change. But what I've seen is that senior management's very keen. Uh, people that are earlier in their career are also very keen because these are activities that they never want to do. It's kind of you know, the historical, it's middle management. This is folks, you know, these are skills that people have had for 20 and 30 years, you know, 15, 20 years. And you're talking about potentially moving it, talking about potentially replacing people. I think it was McKinsey had a report out recently that 55% of finance can be automated, but only about 5% of the people. So it's getting people over that, that fear, providing them you know, with the trust that the things that we're doing is actually gonna make their jobs better. And then I think kind of the third lesson that we learned is just how we're gonna behave in the new world. So for me, people that I worked with in London, it was a very normal thing to get up at four o'clock in the morning, take the ferry over to Amsterdam, have one meeting, come back and it's eight o'clock in the evening. Mm -hmm. That's never happening again. A lot of these trips that we were taking that weren't particularly um, productive, I think are gonna go away because we've now taken the world of Zoom and other platforms to be completely normal. So geographically, areas that were difficult to get to. So I, I've joked, I've had days where I've started my day in Dubai, I've gone to Chicago and I've ended up in Singapore at the end of the day. Obviously that's something physically you can't do, but now we're so much more productive. So I think again, these are these lessons learned that we're going to be doing um, activities in a much more productive manner because we, not that the, the timeline, and I think Martin was saying the timeline for acceptance has been accelerated so much, right? Whereas 
12 months ago, there may have been organizations that, you know, banned Zoom. I will not do Zoom. I won't do anything video. But now because of necessity, you've had to, then everyone now realizes, hey, this was crazy trying to fly people in from all these cities for a two-hour meeting. Let's just have a Zoom and we can be a lot more effective. Well put. Thank you. I, I think there is this realization in, in many ways in business and not in business. I think everybody is realizing that. Martin Nereshevsky, Swabin, anything you want to say to the others about your point? I thought it was a good discussion. What do you think? I think perfect way Brian summed it up so well. Good. Good. Thank you for your statements. Appreciate that, Swap. Now, Martin, we're going to talk about statement number three. Here we go. 2021 will be, here's a prediction, actually, a tipping point for the move of finance to the cloud. I'm not going to read anymore. I want you to tell us. Martin, you're up. Go ahead. Yeah, in the maritime world, there is something, the concept of a monster wave or a freak wave. Actually, this is when two waves overlap, and this is then where in, in, in the, so to say, navigation, the big, typically tragedies happen. And this is not about a tragedy here, but the idea of two waves overlapping and reinforcing each other, that's something we're also seeing here in the move to the cloud. Um, clearly, already before 2019 was about the time frame when the finance function overall was starting this transition from on-premise software to cloud software. We've seen this in other line of business like HR procurement already in, in the years before, and typically it was a very fast transition. And finance was already, so to say, starting that transition. And now came the crisis, which is completely reinforcing that movement in the sense of um, it is uh, a different payment model. It's a different scalability model, um, both ways for companies who need to scale down or others who need to scale up or scale to different business models in a fast wave. So both trends, the, the one which existed already before, plus the forces of the crisis here are now coming together and, so to say, accelerating the effect. And I predict we will see um, the move from finance solutions going from on-premise into the cloud much faster than we had thought. And the time of transition is right now, essentially. Thank you very much. Let's move around the table. Brian, you're sitting next to Martin. Go ahead. Oh, I, I 100% agree. I mean, in just people that I talk to, it's 100% cloud deployment. I mean, you know, it's truly where we're going. And the acceleration, again, as Martin was saying, I mean, it's kind of funny. Well, first of all, can you imagine trying to get through this crisis if we weren't on the cloud? I mean, you know, just the difficulties that we have. I mean, if you think about it, it was truly extraordinary. I mean, basically, the world went remote in a day with little government interaction. Basically, businesses, this is just what we have to do. But we, but we had the infrastructure in place that permitted us to do it. Um, so, you know, and it, it, to me, what's amazing is that we're just next month coming up on the 11th anniversary of the cloud. Microsoft introduced the Azure uh, back in February of 10. So, you know, I was seeing some numbers BC a year ago where people were saying, we're just in finance getting to that tipping point where we think actually spend on cloud will be greater than on premise just from legacy. And I think that's just, again, people that I talk to, you know, basically you're saying, you know, as, as they're looking forward, um, the, the new opportunities, because there's so much more flexibility. I mean, you know, we lived in, in one world, you know, before the cloud, and we live in a very different world. And so now you have hundreds, if not thousands of applications that are available um, to basically fine tune what you need. It's not a, it's not a one size fits all a model. So again, every, everyone that I talk to here in North America, but around the world, it's really looking to leverage the cloud um, and 
even though finance historically conservative, small C conservative, because we have a fiscal duty that we do, we typically just are very conservative, is understanding the safety of moving to the cloud. Um, and that comfort factor continues to increase. So again, 100% in agreement with what Martin was saying. Thank you. Martin, I'm going to let you comment on what was said around the table about your cloud statement. Martin, anything? Yeah, um, no, not really. I think it was a very clear statement going this direction. Brian, you said the same thing. Um, let's see how this is evolving and unfolding, uh, but we firmly believe it's going this direction very fast. Thank you. Good discussion statements. We have time for one more. We actually have 12 minutes left. Oh, my goodness. What a luxury on live radio. 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to pick statement number three from Brian Kalish. This is interesting. He said, 2020 saw data visualization explode. As a result, the art of storytelling came into its own. The data literacy level has risen. I'm going to let you finish that statement. Brian, you're up. Go ahead. Well, Bonnie, this is in, in baseball. You just threw one down the middle to me. So the, I love this. This is this is something I'm truly passionate about. Um, you could say almost evangelical. Uh, it's just a, the, the fact that the way that we deliver information, I mean, storytelling is so important. I mean, and again, my focus is on FP&A. So it's it's having, you know, the what I call, you know, being being a quant who tells great stories and completely understands my business. Hmm. So on the great stories, right? I mean, I, the example that I use is you can do the greatest analysis. So I'm and, and and Martin, you know, I work for them and they provide analysis to me, but if it's written in Danish, it doesn't do me any good because I don't speak that language, right? So mm -hmm. storytelling is, is, is a language. And if you think about how we present information, it's atrociously bad. Right. I mean, if, if you took the, the four of us and gave us a data set and said, OK, give me a, a five slide deck, it would all look different. We'd have different colors. The, everything we do would be different. But it's the same data. So the idea is that we need to put standards around how we present information. And what's great is it's a nonprofit. It's just a philosophy that's out there. But for, for the audience, they should know there's an organization called um, IBCS. It's the International Business Communication Standards. Again, it's a philosophy. It's not a product. But it's just at its core, it just says that similar things should look similar. And so, you know, the example that we like to share when we're trying to explain this to it is um, – Google dashboards, for example, right? And all of a sudden, all these different dashboards are going to show up. And it doesn't mean anything to you because you don't understand it. But let me give you a universal language. And this is what I think business communication should move towards is sheet music. If you read sheet music, you read all sheet music, right? It doesn't matter when it was written, what type mm -hmm. of music, the geography. Why? Because the pattern is the same, right? It doesn't stifle creativity at all, right? Writing, writing sheet music didn't stifle Beethoven or Dave Grohl or Gershwin, right? And so it's just really the idea that the way that we present our information should be standardized. And what's great is, again, we're, we're all finance people. We love analytics. It's actually we started doing studies. And when you standardize the way you present your information, whether it's internal, external, whether it's just in your division, whether it's corporate-wide, these are the actual numbers that we came with a, with a, with a recent study is at the error rate drops 61% mm. and the time to process the information drops 46%. And again, if you're talking about ROI, it's tough to beat those numbers. So again, you may look at, you know, and again, I, the, the homework assignment that I give is look at, you know, the presentations your organization may make internal, external, and see if it couldn't be done better. And so again, kind of to play on, onto our quotes, it's, it's the longing for love, right? It's, it's aspiring to a, to a higher level. 
Very, very interesting. Thank you, Brian. I never thought we would hear storytelling on a show like this. I did that on my uh, the opening season opener for this year for my uh, Changing the Game with Digital Engagement, which used to be called Digital Selling, Social Selling. That title of that show has morphed, and we talked about the value of storytelling to marketing and sales. And here it popped up. I'm so glad you brought that up. Let's go around the table and get comments. Swapna, what do you think? And as as before, 100% in agreement with Brian. I mean, simply put, Brian, Brian just gave all of the you know details and with the statistics. So yeah, very well put, Brian. But in simple terms, uh, I feel data visualization is presenting your data in a visual format. You know, uh, standardizing it. Uh, the language means exactly the same, and I see what you see, right? Um, so as mm-hmm. about the current situation uh, requiring ability to make speedy decisions, the need for visualization has obviously grown. I feel, you know, technologies can further, you know, enhance the visualization techniques, drill down, ability to slice and dice, uh, you know, create graphs. But what it means really is helping organizations make business decisions more accurately based on what they see. And I think Brian's first statement was around data and analytics. So I think visualization is the next step how you present the data uh, to help companies make those decisions. So I feel just an observation again from my earlier point, uh, digital differences. I feel companies that have better visualization tools, um, they might have uh, tended to fare a little better this past year, uh, even with the outbreak. And you know, using BI analytics, they might have been able to predict uh, you know, the outcome faster for whatever decisions they might have to take. Uh, you know, observe trends more rapidly and switch gears very fast, um, especially during this situation. So I 100% agree with Brian. Thank you. Martin, join us. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, why is the storytelling so important? And I do agree. Because in the end of the day, all of the analytics is supposed to underpin strategy. And strategy is always communication, alignment around language. What are we going to do? And therefore, we really need to have, so to say, the ability to have the right quantitative arguments to prove the various hypotheses or the important key arguments in a line of arguing of a strategy. And that's not how typically reporting is done in the, or was done in the past. Reporting in the past is a heap of data, looking at data from different high-level angles. But typically, if you want to support a story, you have very specific points that need to be made. And, and the differentiation and, and all of the insight that we started the conversation with in the beginning is often coming from very specific insights. Those are the products here. We make a profit and those are unprofitable. And it's not just profitability overall. And the customers, whatever you take, and um, depending on the circumstances, the situation, it will be very different. So agility, real-timeness, as was said, the ability to do drill downs, cut into the data in a very verbal way is extremely important. That's what today's technology is making possible. Not saying that everybody can do this already today, but at least technologically that's there. The next step clearly, and when we think about artificial intelligence, is the system finding patterns, the system helping to tell the story by, because it's suggesting connection points and, and root causes or whatsoever. This certainly will be the next big challenge in applying artificial intelligence to finance, not just automating the matching records and so on, but really the storytelling piece, supporting the storytelling on the analytical side. Very exciting. I'm pretty sure that we will see a lot coming here in the next couple of years. 
Thank you. Brian, thanks for that statement. Brian, this brings me, reminds me, harking back to another era, another place in time when desktop publishing was a thing and it started. And the term we used, I was a, a page maker user working for a bank and I became their marketing director and I learned to do newsletters on PageMaker. And then we moved to Quark Express and the, the term was WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. Does that, Brian's nodding. Martin, do you remember, Swapman, do you remember yeah. those days? <laughs> WYSIWYG. So we're talking about one, the sheet music that everybody in every language would understand what the notes are and what the music is. Now we're down to 60 seconds each for predictions. Crystal ball time. Brian Kalish, unmute, please. Let's go. 60 seconds. What do you see coming down the pike overall? Just 60 seconds for finance in 2021. Brian, go. Great. So, like I said, we are in the new normal, but we will be pivoting to a new new normal. And to be a little bit optimistic, given what we've heard about vaccinations, I think it, you know we're in a better position today than where we were a month ago. The key is we are not going back to where we were uh, BC before COVID. We are going into a new world. Uh, the pace of automation will only increase. It's a good thing. Um, again, I was in the camp that you know everything that could be automated would be automated five years ago, a year ago. I think it's now three years. Um, IBCS, again, business communications, I think is going to really take off because people are going to see the benefits of it. Um, direct data mapping is the wave of the future, e ELT versus ETL. Uh, the fact that we can move away from using data warehouses and lakes. Uh, and then the two, well, the, the, the fun one I'll throw in there is the Washington Nationals uh, in, uh, in American <laughs> baseball will win the World Series in 2021. And I hope this prediction comes true is that 2021 will be a better year than 2020. Absolutely. That's my signature on my personal email, hoping we all have a better 2021. Swapna Satwick, you're up. 60 seconds. Predictions, go. Mm, absolutely. So yesterday I actually did my tarot card reading, you know, just for this 60 second prediction. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> so, I mean, COVID crisis is causing a need for acceleration uh, What beyond what we've seen before. I feel the, the need or need to imagine future of finance, which was still in plans for some, has already been there and that's no more an option. Um, quicker the organizations adopt and adopt to it, the better we would thrive uh, and better they would thrive in post-pandemic world. Um, separate note, I feel in 2021, I'm going to be a drummer as well. I'm inspired by Bonnie. And I'm going to take kickboxing back up because I'm inspired by you. My trainer who was here before COVID and, and I used to finish with, he'd hold the pad up and I'd do the, the boxing and I, I miss that. So I'm going to take that. You could become a drummer and I'm going to become a kickboxer. Martin, you're up. 60 seconds. Go. All right. Yeah. Um, we talked already about earlier, the focus of finance transformation will significantly shift from the focus on automation, transactional automation that we have seen quite a lot in 2018-19 towards more analytical support of the business as we um, extensively discussed. And as part of that, um, I also believe that in the future we will see a new form of finance platform, not just the classical planning consolidation tools, but really a, a platform that has accounting, planning, consolidation, all of the analytics with AI in, in a, so to say, single system environment, and that will be a technological disruptor. And then just to end on a general note, at some point, the crisis here and the pandemic will be over, and I'm pretty sure we will then get Roaring Twenties again in this century. I think Roaring Twenties 
instead of screaming. <laughs> screaming 20s would be much better, so I like that a lot. I want to thank the three of you. This has been lovely. Swapna, you're a wonderful addition to the panel. I'm so happy you took a leap of faith and joined us here. Brian, always wonderful to see you talk to you. Martin, as I said, it's been way too long. I hope you'll come back during the year, and I want to do a shout-out to Birgit Starmans, Chris Grundy, and Pras Chatterjee again, who've just renewed this series for a wonderful season 10 here, and a thank you to Aaron Keller, my engineer extraordinary. He calls himself my sidekick, and he he earned that. So here we go. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? My car is getting two and a half months to the gallon. How's yours doing? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Brian Kalish at Kalish Consulting, just like Swapna Satwick at Deloitte Consulting, and just like Martin Narashevsky at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Everybody wave goodbye. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Financial Excellence with Game Changers, presented by SAP, helping you to operate profitably and adapt continuously. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to hashtag SAPRADIO and join host Bonnie D. Graham on the Business Channel, wishing you a game-changing week.